Welcome to the Florida Teachers Teacher Leaders Fellowship podcast number two. I'm Stephen Kaplan, Florida Teacher Leader Fellowship alum, and I'm here today with Jillian Gregory. One of the required elements of our fellowship process was to create a value creation story about how we were transformed by our experiences. As I reflected on my own journey as a fellow, what stood out to me most was the transformation that occurred in my ability to learn by listening, hence the reason for this podcast. The hope is that you may find some value and inspiration to continue the work of being a leader in education, which naturally all teachers are, by listening to our experiences. The podcast is structured to allow each of my guests to tell their stories. I'm always amazed at what I learn from these incredible people. So welcome, Jillian. Hello. Hi. Um, So Jillian, please tell us a little bit about who you are, where you teach, and what brought you to the fellowship. I am a true Florida native. I'm a product of Palm Beach County School District. I did undergraduate at FAU and just graduated with my master's from the University of Florida. I've taught at Forest Hill Community High School. This is going into my 11th year. It's the only high school I've taught at, so I really don't know what the world is like outside of the hill, but I wouldn't change it. Currently, I teach IB Bio at the junior and senior level in anatomy and physiology. And I came into the fellowship just by chance. We got the email from the principal and I was reading it. And I'm like, this looks like it could be really interesting, but I don't know if I'm a leader enough on campus to do it. So I went ahead, talked to the principal, and she's like, do it, do it. You're going to get it. You're going to get it. Applied, went through the application process and the interview, and lo and behold, I was one of the 40 fellows. So it's interesting because you're our second podcast, but that unassuredness about am I a leader or not, that was something that Daryl in our first conversation mentioned as well. Why do you think so many teachers struggle with that or think about that? And Because I know it's something obviously that you had considered or thought about or wondered about for yourself as well. I kind of question it because I don't question my teaching and my ability in the classroom. I really questioned how I'm influencing everyone outside of my classroom. And that was where I really struggled with. I don't, I feel like as classroom teachers, we don't get enough reassurance or little pats on the back from the administration on campus that we are leaders. It's more of, oh, you're, you're a veteran teacher now. You, you must be a leader. When in reality, after going through the fellowship and graduate school, just because you are a veteran teacher, I feel that it doesn't necessarily make you a leader. So I needed to make a distinction for myself between having been there for 10 years and being considered a veteran on campus and really stepping out of that box and becoming a leader on campus. Hmm. Interesting. So... Tell us a little bit about the research project that you decided to undertake, your action research project as part of the fellowship. I decided to undertake, for my anatomy classes, since I don't have an EOC course exam at the end of it and I have some leeway with what I teach, I decided to see if flipping my classroom would be an effective method of instruction. So for the uninitiated, explain what flipping a classroom is. In layman's terms, it would be instead of doing lecture, whatever the kids do as classwork or lecture work in class, they now do as homework. And whatever they would do as homework, they would do in class. Where most people be like, oh, they go home and sit through PowerPoints and watch lectures and they do worksheets in class. 
slightly structured different than that with the incorporation of technology at home. They do do the home learning. They come to me knowing the content or having a basic understanding of the content. And then we would spend our class time doing lab activities, reading articles, doing card sorts, doing stations act station activities. So really taking what they learned from their home learning and applying it and processing it and actually using it. So instead of spending 50 minutes doing a lecture where the kids are all bored listening to me, they would watch a video and do that at home, and they would come to me knowing it, and we could jump right into, the kids would say, doing the fun stuff, doing lab activities, and getting them moving, and doing philosophical chairs and Socratic seminars. Cool. Um, so that was a year-long process, which was part of your, or even longer, maybe 18 months of, of crafting that and putting it into place. You know, one of the common experiences of, that the fellows have, and I know it was true for me too, um, is that there are moments we can point to in that experience, um, whether it was our individual research proce process or project or being involved with the fellowship, um, that radically transformed the way that we thought. Did you have such a moment? That moment came in planning for presenting at the teacher leader conference down in Miami because the whole time I was like, okay, I have my data I collected. My kids are still successful with this method of instruction. The only complaints that they had were just basic technology issues that we could deal with. And I was like, I'm not really affecting anyone with this. I can talk to the teachers in the planning room and they'll be like, yeah, well, we don't have computers, we can't do this. But in planning for presenting at the conference, I really kind of have an, had an epiphany of, okay, I can tell, my, tell people my story as basic as it may seem and hopefully kind of influence their thinking so that they can do it too. Because I've been... Forest Hills is a Title I school, and everyone's like, can we, we don't have enough technology at school. The kids don't have access to technology at home. What you're doing is not possible. So I really wanted to drive home the fact that the teachers are making excuses for the kids when those excuses don't really exist in the kids' home life. They go home. They've got phones that they can access. They've got access to the computers in the library. So it's just... Planning for that presentation and kind of proving to myself that it was successful and that I actually had something relevant to present to other teachers. So that was kind of what you talked about in your opening when you said you weren't sure even before you joined the fellowship. You knew you were a good teacher, but you weren't sure if you were a teacher leader. Teacher leader. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think now? I would say I am a teacher leader. I feel having the experience of doing the action research and presenting and just kind of spending a lot of time thinking about myself and reflecting on what I actually do on campus, I am a leader. And it doesn't, no one can take that from me because I know what I do on campus and I know that I'm effective with doing the professional development planning in my classroom and all of that stuff. So now it's just, I know that I'm a leader and I'm not really waiting on that pat on the back from administration to be like, hey, you're a teacher leader. Um, so you talked a little bit about getting ready for the um, teacher leader conference and presenting your work to other educators. 
Um, talk to the our listeners about what transformed for you with having to present and not just it be about anymore you and your just you and your classroom well that was probably the most nerve-wracking experience i've ever had (laughs) going into it but sitting down and looking at it i really started to look at the data and kind of separated it from class peers and individual students by taking their names and things off of the data and really looking at the big picture of it and going from there just by coding the data and looking at my end results, I was kind of like, okay, I've got this. I can present this to whomever wants to listen, and it will be valuable to them. Even though I had a relatively small sample size of only three class periods, about 90 students, it could totally affect all of the other teachers sitting in that room if they were thinking about flipping their classrooms or if they're in the same situation that I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um. So it sounded like six, the the reality that you had in recognizing your own success made you feel more confident in sharing that with other people who might be willing to listen. It definitely did. And looking at the data, I wasn't, I didn't really know what I was going to get when I had the students do the survey and looked at their work. And I was really surprised by the student's response to it, I was expecting it to be honestly more of a less efficient way or less effective way to get the information to the kids. But it turned out it was just the same as if I lectured, if not better. So I'm hoping to take that as kind of jumping off point and tweaking it and continuing to do it for next year. And then because of the fellowship and all of the technology stuff, and presenting at a different learning showcase, I've had the opportunity to do the technology trailblazers with the district. So over the summer, we've become Google certified educators. And then we'll be going, I'm going to training next week. So I'll have a class set of Chromebooks for next year. So I can really flip my classroom and incorporate more technology, which is kind of I guess becoming a passion of mine through all of this. I'm not really a computer nerd, but I can see the value in it. And even after going to Scripps the last couple days and going into some of their labs and using, we are using their microscopes, it's all computer driven. So if I can get the kids doing basic computer tasks, making graphs in Excel, collecting their data from their microscopes and transferring it to the computer. If they can walk away from my class doing that and walk into Palm Beach State or a university, I feel like I'm setting them up for success. So I know that you talked a little bit about what changed for you in that realization in the moment that you had something valuable to share with other educators. Um, Did you notice in that experience um, that it affected other people too? whether it was at the conference or even at your school? Mm, It's kind of hard to say because I haven't had much of an opportunity at school to present my findings to, say, the science department. So that is on my list to do next year. Our science department meetings are structured to where we meet on Tuesdays. One's just a basic meeting. One's going to be an avid strategy meeting. And then the other Tuesday meeting is going to be us presenting best practices to the department. 
So that is where I really plan to kind of take the presentation from the teacher leader conference and take what I've done in my classroom and really push it out to the teachers. Because I know after working with some of them for 10 years or so, I want to change their thinking and move them away from using Title I as a crutch because it's really not. We have a ton of access to everything. We just need to kind of push the teachers to use it. Yeah. It sounds like you're ready to, to take that on a little bit, more so now than you may have been before. Yes. I feel like I have more of a powerful voice, and I think it's because I have the research and some data and this experience with the fellowship to kind of back me up. So I feel like I have, I don't want to say a better resume, but I feel like I have this experience to kind of validate what I'm telling them and what I'm telling them can be successful in their classrooms. I'm interested to know because it was something that's come up in, in the other podcast. Um, you know, you talked a little bit about formal structures at school to influence people. Um, has anybody, did anybody peek into your classroom and start asking you questions about what was going on? Because I wonder sometimes too if that's a, an impact that we don't always recognize. Honestly, no. And okay. I feel, I feel like it's a good or a bad thing. Okay. And I've, most teachers will probably experience this. The only time there's ever anyone in my classroom is if they're doing an observation or like the ceiling's leaking and they've got to come and fix it or they're coming to find a kid to give them a detention. I'm usually in my own little island. And some of that might just be because they're all, everyone's busy. And I don't do a very good job at saying, hey, I'm doing this awesome thing in my class. Come on up today. It's usually after the fact that I would share my experiences with them. Mm. But it sounds like you're ready to do that now that you've got some, you feel confident in what you did. Yeah. And I feel going into this year, I'm a little more a little more settled with what I'm going to be doing, that I they can come on in and check it out. But the door is always open. They can, I don't mind them coming in at any time. And even fellow teachers, if they want to come in, they know my door is open. No one usually takes you up on it. but. Um, so has this process impacted you both your action research project and being a, a teacher leader fellow has it impacted your life outside of your professional life at all mm. besides spending hours on the computer typing my portfolio <laughs> and doing work i feel now when people ask me about what i do for a living and why i'm an educator i feel more empowered when I talk about it because I can throw in all of these experiences. It's not just going into a classroom and teaching a lesson every day. It's, yes, that is a huge part of it, but it's the designing the professional development that is school-wide. And since I'm the AVID coordinator, it's moving us to a highly certified school and possibly becoming a showcase school this year. So I feel like it's changed me and I kind of hold my head a little bit higher when I talk about my profession to people that are in different professions. That's interesting. And we didn't record that part of the conversation, but after our podcast finished, uh, Daryl and I had a similar conversation oh. too. And I think I think the, the experience that you described might be familiar to a lot of educators who are listening to this. Um, 
that because we are we can be so isolated in school sometimes people don't have a very good idea mm -hmm. of what it means to to be a teacher and to be a teacher leader at a school site um so they're they're surprised um you know and i can share for you as part of this fellowship because my partner works from home when we were when it was the evenings and we were sitting together on zoom doing um chats with the lastinger um center uh fellowship leaders mm -hmm. or with CTQ, um, he would be there and listening along. Um, and he even turned to me at some point and said, you know, Stephen, I, I, you know, and he comes from a family of educators, his grandparents were teachers, um, but he didn't really, couldn't really appreciate until he saw me doing that kind of work, how rigorous and, and thought provoking mm -hmm. and intense the work that we do is. So I know that for me that was true too. Um, you know, one of the other things that we can't escape from as educators is that as some, uh, as much as some would try to make it so, nothing we do at school is really values neutral, right? So that that everything comes with with choices that we make. Um, have you has your experience engaging with your action research project or participating with the fellowship? confirmed at all or challenged some of your understandings of what matters for your students? That's a tough question. Because at the end of the day, ultimately what matters is graduation and getting them to move on with post-secondary education. But at the same time, we need to form we need to have a connection with them this is a huge part of their life so i don't but can i reflect on something for you because yes. i because you know because i'm kind of struggling the with the question well here's in here is why and for you know the listeners will remember that all of the fellows we together shared a lot of common experiences and mm -hmm. i had the um the opportunity to listen to Jillian present her data in a little bit more of a raw form before the teacher leadership conference when she was trying to look at what she was was seeing. Um, and one of the things that I remember from that conversation that you that was part of that discussion um, when you were presenting the data, Jillian, was that um, you were looking at well, or you were concerned. I remember that the test, you weren't seeing a huge difference at that point mm -hmm. in the student's test scores, right? And I don't know um, if that changed or that changed over the long term too, but the tenor of our conversation was about what might have changed in the student experience. And I think you even talked a little bit about that um, when you were describing how students engaged with the fun stuff yeah. in the classroom. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? They really, with my anatomy class, obviously I would like all my students to be doctors or in the medical field or doing well for themselves afterwards. But I feel like having that experience of doing those different things could segue into a whole lot of other opportunities for them and kind of opened up many doors for them and just getting them hooked with ex being excited about being coming to class every day. They'd come in and they'd be like, oh, what are we doing? And we do a couple of murder mystery labs where we were examining someone's 
fake stomach contents to figure out their last meal when we were learning about proteins and lipids and carbs. And then when we do, um, we were talking about bones, we did figuring out who was the suspect and where the blood samples came from when we learned about blood. So it's really taking the experiences that they had in that class and they can branch it out into so many different careers after high school. And I feel like I focus a lot on what they're going to be doing after high school since the majority of my kids are seniors. So I really want them to have those different experiences. But I feel like they came to class wanting to learn, wanting to do something different. And they started to transform from the kids that we see sitting in the desk just taking notes all the time and essentially being lazy and me doing all of the thinking and the work to the kids that came in eager to learn. Like, why does she have crime scene tape everywhere? What are we doing today? What happened in here? So they came to me with a different, like, excitement when they came through the door. I think that's a really powerful message. Um, so let's move on then to our, our final question. So if you were to leave our podcast listeners with a call to action, what would it be? Don't settle with what you're doing as far as in the classroom. While it is easy to do the same lessons year after year, really push yourself as an educator to change it up. The world is revolving. The world is changing quickly outside of our classrooms, and we need to be, if not on the same pace, or at least one step ahead, because ultimately the kids are our true future. So we need to do what is best for them, not what is necessarily easy for us as the teacher. Wonderful. Thank you, Jillian, for joining us for this episode of the Florida Teacher Leaders Podcast Fellowship. You're welcome.